0: We're going to look in Colossians 2 and verse 13. And we'll just read two verses. I do ask that you keep your Bible open um, and follow along with me. We're going to stay right here in Colossians chapter 2. won't be turning anywhere else. So just have your Bible open and listen this morning to what the Lord has to say. The Bible says this, and would you mind standing, please? I respect the Word of God. Verse number 13. And you, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath He quickened together with Him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. Father, I pray this morning that You'd help me as I attempt to preach. Lord, I feel like the Apostle Paul, where he said he determined not to know anything, Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I pray that as I preached this morning, that nothing would enter my mind but Jesus and Him crucified. And I pray that, Lord, that You would take this message and, Lord, You would make it all about Him. And I pray if there's one here lost and undone, I pray, Lord, that they would see Jesus high and lifted up and they'd be drawn and convicted and be saved this morning, Lord. This could be their Independence Day when they're set free, and when they're saved, and I pray it happened today, when I pray for the rest that are saved, I pray that we'd look back to that cross and we'd thank God for it, and Lord, that our faith would be strengthened, our hearts would be comforted. I pray, Lord, that it motivate us to tell others about it and to point others to that place. And Lord, after it's all said and done, when we leave the church, I pray we leave with clear hearts, clear minds, knowing that we did everything that You'd have us to do. We love You, Lord, and I pray now you touch me, Lord. You know how weak I am. Lord, You know how unable I am to stand here before these people. But I pray that as You've done in days gone by, that, Lord, You'd open the windows of heaven and You'd anoint me with a fresh oil and fill me with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I'll give You the glory for it all. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You know, at Calvary... Satan lost the battle. Yeah. Now he's still squirming and he's still trying, he's still trying to give us trouble, but he's lost. He's lost. And um, the Bible says in Colossians 2 and verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Here it is, nailing it to his cross. That's what I'm preaching on this morning, on nailing it to the cross. You ever heard somebody preach and they say something like this? You need to nail it down. You need to nail it down. You need to nail it down that you're saved. You need to nail it down that you're going to heaven when you die. And I'm glad that I can nail some things down because he nailed some things down. And the Bible says here that He took that which was contrary to us, and He, he took it out of the way and drew it, said He nailed it to His cross. I thank the Lord this morning for the old rugged cross, don't you? Yeah. Let me say this about the cross, just as a way of introduction. At the cross we see the greatest man that was ever wronged. Did you know at the cross, here's what you see. You see Jesus at his best and you see man at his worst. And there at the cross, we see the greatest man who had ever been wrong. He didn't deserve to be there. He didn't ask to be there. He did nothing wrong, nothing amiss, nothing uh, uh, contrary to the Word of God or even the law of the Roman government. But yet there He was on that hill dying that day. And He was the greatest man, man that ever lived. And yet He experienced the greatest wrong that had ever been done to an innocent man. 1 Peter 3.18 says for Christ, Also hath one suffered for sins, the just for the unjust. You see on that hill called Calvary, many wicked and guilty men had died. But on that day, he was neither wicked nor guilty. He was innocent. Listen, you and I go through life and we experience things that trouble us and I'm not trying to downplay it, but I want you to know none of us has ever been wrong like he was wrong. None of us has ever been uh, forsaken as he was forsaken and uh, none of us has ever died and been uh, 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 falsely accused and tried and killed over something we had nothing to do with. Even Pilate, his accuser, said, I find no fault in this man. But yet they still betrayed him. The Jewish crowd said, We want Barabbas. I mean, think about that. The Bible said he came unto his own. That's the Jew. There he was, born in the midst of them, ministered unto them, preached unto them, taught them, wrought miracles amongst them. And here's how they thank Jesus Barabbas. Barabbas. Don't you know this morning? You can bend over backwards and do all you can do to try to please and to try to earn the approval of men and women. But if Jesus could not earn their approval, neither can you. And They said we want forever. This on the cross, the greatest man we see, the greatest man that was ever wronged. But only that we see the greatest miracle that was ever wronged. If I were to ask you this morning, what was the greatest miracle Jesus did on earth? Most people would say, well, He raised Lazarus from the dead. Now, that's a great miracle. Or some might say, well, when He fed the 5,000. And, and, and others might say well that night when he walked down on the midst of the stormy sea and he said peace be still and, or maybe you might say well it was that day in Mark chapter 5 when he went there on that hill outside Gadara and he cast them devils out of that man and he went home and, and was clothed and in his right mind and, and 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 there's many miracles but I want you to know the greatest miracle he ever wrought on earth was when he hung there between heaven and hell and with his hands nailed to that rugged cross dying at the jail for the ain't just the Lamb of God and dying for that is the greatest miracle that ever was done amen the greatest miracle oh aren't you glad for that what a miracle that God's son would walk up that hill and lay down his life for us he wasn't just anybody he was the son of God and yet he did it for us that's the greatest miracle that ever wrought. I thought about this, it was the greatest message that was ever written. Jesus was writing a message that day. That message was one of grace, mercy, and love. You say, but Brother Martin, he didn't open his mouth. No, but with his his life and what he did, he wrote a message. I want you to know you can't preach a greater message than the cross. Hey man, it is the greatest message. I was talking to a young preacher here recently, and I told him, I said, you need to learn to preach the cross. Yeah you need to learn to preach salvation. You need to learn how to preach Jesus crucified, risen, and coming again. I mean, that's like ABCs of preaching. That's the one, two, three of preaching. Uh, most preachers, they get in, they get caught, and they get full of zeal, and they want to go to straighten everybody out and rebuke it and reprove it. If you can't preach the cross, then you don't deserve to preach. Amen. That uh, Bible says in 1 Corinthians and for the preacher of the cross, is to them that perish foolishness. But unto I what you're saved? It is the power of God, Amen. And Paul said, "But God forbid uh, that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ." And the cross is what saved this old sinner right here, and the cross will save you. It's the greatest message that was ever written, Amen. Amen. And that's what I want to look at this morning. I'm going to talk about nailing it to the cross, and if you haven't nailed these things to the cross, you need to this morning before it's too late. Look at verse 13. And you being dead in your sins, hath he in the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having, here it is, forgiven you all trespasses. The first thing you need to nail to the cross this morning is your forgiveness. What are you hanging your forgiveness on? There's a lot of people that have nailed their forgiveness to their church membership. And so I'm, I'm, I'm alright because I go to church. There's others that nail it to their good works, their kindness to their neighbors, or their their aptness to do good to those that are in need, their charity, their benevolence. Others they want to tie it to their religious traditions that they hold to, or or the or, or the or the ceremonial things that they've done, such as baptism or or observing the Lord's table or bringing in the tithes and the offerings. But brother David, we can't nail our forgiveness to anything but the cross of Jesus Christ. You'll know why I can stand before you and say, I've been forgiven of all my sin, it's because as a 16-year-old boy, by faith I went to Calvary and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. He took the sin off of me and now to the cross, and now I can say I'm forgiven. What are you hanging your forgiveness on? Colossians said He's forgiven us all trespasses. Look at this. Because we're forgiven, we've been raised by the Spirit of God. Verse 13, he said, "...being quickened together with Him." That word "quickened" is an old word, but it's still a good word. It means to be made alive. And listen, the Bible says in Ephesians 2, verse 1, "...and you have ye quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sins." Now, you see, before we were saved, we were dead spiritually. Now, physically, we were alive. There's been some, Brother David, I wondered about both in church, spiritual and physical. Yeah. Amen. Oh my, but you heard about that dead church. It's an old dead formal church where everybody didn't say amen. Nobody believed in raising anything. And they all and they and one of the members had a heart attack and they called 911 and they said they had to church, they had to check 25 people before they found the one that had actually died. Listen, I don't want to be around a church like that, do you? I like singing that's alive. I like preaching that's alive. I like fellowship that's alive. Amen. I like worship that's alive. Why? Because if you're saved, you've been raised from the graveyard of sin. You've been resurrected from spiritual death. And you've been made alive in the Lord Jesus Christ. Been raised by the Spirit. We've been reunited with the Savior. Look at verse 13. He says, Quicken together with Him. Let me say this, because of our forgiveness, Drew, we have been reunited with Jesus Christ. Because when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, they broke fellowship with God. You understand? There was a separation that took place. God could no longer walk with Adam and Eve and felt like He could before because of that sin, and ever since the Garden of Eden, there has been a divide. There has been a gap. There has been a separation between God and man. Because God is holy, and God and God cannot look upon sin. He can't. Win. He can't look over it. He's holy and just and right. But on the cross, listen. You know what Jesus was doing. The Bible says in Second Second Corinthians chapter five and verse twenty one. But God was in Christ reconciling the world. Un- to himself. Uh, Have you ever had to reconcile uh, with a friend or reconcile uh, with a family member or reconcile with a brother or sister in church? That means that there's something between you. And there's a fault. There's something that's bothering you. And you go to them and say hey, uh, I'm sorry. And they say you're forgiven and you're reconciled. Uh, I want you to know uh, that God was not reconciled to us. uh, But we had to be reconciled to God. Uh, God had not a or done wrong but we are done wrong but thank God he brought us back through the cross is what he did there is but one mediator between God and man the man Christ Jesus oh Job he said he said oh that there were a days men. He said, oh, that there was one that might understand me and might understand God. Oh, that there was one that might stand between me and God and might tell Him how I feel. And I want you to know Job didn't realize it. Oh, 4000 a thousand years later, there was born a man named Jesus and that's exactly what he did. He reached out with one hand and got a hold of God and reached out with another and got a hold of man and reconciled us to each other. Been reunited with the Savior. Verse 13, he says, Forgive you all trespasses because of this forgiveness we've been rescued from our sin. Forgiven all trespasses. You say, What about them ones I committed since I got saved? Forgiven you all trespasses. I'm not teaching or trying to encourage. Loose and wild living. But all I know is when he, when he died on the cross, brother Mark, every sin I've ever done was future. Amen. 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 Let me help you with something. There is no past, present, or future in the mind of God. No. He's the I am. He's a, he lives in eternal present. And when Jesus died on the cross, my sins were there. Yeah. I, I wasn't there. I wasn't in that crowd saying crucify him. I wasn't there. I wasn't one of them soldiers that, that took that cat of nine tails and stripped the flesh from his back. I wasn't one of those that smote him in the face and said, "Prophesy, tell us who wrong." I wasn't one of the ones that took a reed and drove the, cat, that, the, thorn of, the crown of thorns in his head. I didn't drive nails in his hands and his feet. But brother David, I was as much a part of it as anybody else because my sins were there. Every idle word, every evil thought, every wicked deed was there but thank God it doesn't say he forgave you of most your trespasses or has some of you but he's forgiven you of all your trespasses isn't that wonderful I'm glad I don't have to go to a priest and try to remember all my sins and then tell him about it and hope that he can tell it to God the way I told it to him and make sure he doesn't miss one And then if you were to miss one, then guess what? I'm still going to hell. Amen. No, listen, I'm glad I don't have a priest, but I've I've got a great high priest. Amen. Amen and the Bible says we have not a high priest that cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was at all points tempted like as we are yet without sin and I'm glad my high priest I don't have to meet him in a confession booth I've met him at an old rugged cross amen and he saved me for time and eternity and listen if you're here and you're lost this morning why do you not want to be forgiven why do you want to carry your sin when there's a God in heaven that loves you and will take every sin you've got and we'll nail it to the cross. Our forgiveness is nailed to the cross. Look in verse 14. Verse 14, blotting out the of horses. I want to say this before I move on. If you're hanging your forgiveness on anything but the blood that Jesus shed on the cross, you're unforgiven. Right. I believe a lot of people are gonna to go to hell surprised. And one of the greatest pains is gonna be the shock of thinking. You know, have you ever gone somewhere on vacation or somewhere you've never been and you had in your mind what it was gonna be? And you got there and it was totally opposite. We went a couple of years ago, it's been four or five years ago. I believe Ginger was like 10. That's been three years ago. We went to Gulf Shores for a softball uh, world series down there, and we made res. We'd never been to Gulf Shores before, and we we made this reservation. And you know, you look at them pictures on there; they all look good. They don't they don't show you the dirty rooms. They don't put. I mean, they show the. the you know, but with four kids, or how many we had at the time, I really don't remember. But uh, we go for the cheapest. You know. Oh yeah, we just got two, and they're like adults. We whisper adults, so they don't ask about the kids. So y'all got two, uh, yeah, adults, yes. And we try to, you know, you call it whatever you want to. I call it surviving. You know what I mean? And so we always get the room that's got the fold-out couch with the blow-up mattress attached to it. You know what I mean? And 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 here I am. I'm expect we're going down there, and we're expecting it to be, you know, something just. And we got down there, and we, I mean, we we was in the. You uh, say Gulf Shores ain't got no place that's not nice. I can take you to one. Yeah. And Kim will tell you I was disappointed you know I was disappointed it was a rough week I mean the mattress you know it, it felt like there was no mattress it felt like there was just razors in your back and it, it was a it was a rough week but anyhow but brother David there's a lot of people that are going for life. They're, now, they're hanging their forgiveness on other things and they, they, they're convinced, they've they're convinced themselves and they've convinced other people they're alright, but they're going to have the great the worst, and the most shocking surprise they've ever had when they wake up in hell and they realize I was wrong. Yeah. Amen. Verse 14, blotting our handwriting of verse that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way and nailed it to His cross. Not only is my forgiveness nailed to His cross this morning, but my freedom. It's nailed to his cross. But also, if the Bible says, the Son sets you free, you're free indeed. Right. Amen. Yeah. And you know, people will try to put you back in bondage and people will try to put you back. I've had people act like they say, that, uh, like this church, and the way out that it's puts people look we got no bars I mean we got them friends, but that's not bars on the window there's no barbed wire outside as far as I can tell this morning everybody that came you come because you wanted to come uh, other than Miss dating Roo, I made her come this morning but anyhow uh, we didn't use any type of tasers or anything like that to get her here but I think she's glad she come now that she got here but I'm saying they say oh you're in bondage and, and then poor old Christians over there are they up. Red faced loud preacher, and oh, they can't. I want you to know this morning that I'm free by the grace of God, I'm saved. And oh, if I wanted to be on Kentucky Lake right now, I'd be up there if that's where I wanted to be. If I wanted to be somewhere else, that's where I'd be. But I had an appointment this morning, and I had an appointment this morning, and I mean to keep my appointment with God and be where He wants me to be. He said that He took that which was contrary to us, that handwriting of ordinances. Now when you read that at first glance, it really doesn't mean much. There's some things in the Bible that you can read and understand and get the full grasp when you're just at surface level. But then there's other things that you have to dig a little further and look into the customs and the times. And when Paul wrote this to the church at Colossae, they understood exactly What he was talking about. You see, listen to me now. When God gave Moses the law on Mount Sinai, the the people of Israel bound themselves to that. They said all that he has said, we're going to do it. And you know what? (laughs) From that day on, they went against that law. And that ordinance is... Now, there's some that claim that that's speaking of the ritual, the ceremonial law, and the, and the moral law, and how it was against them. And the Bible says, if you, if you offend in one matter of the law, you've offended it all. And you walk around and say, well, I've never killed nobody. I've never. Listen, if you've offended in one, you've offended in all. And, and that handwriting... Listen, the handwriting of course. I want you to understand this. I'm going to move along. There was, in Bible times... If a man was accused of of wrongdoing, he would have a trial, and they would come in there, and there was a recorder that would record, and they'd have a page. They'd have one page over here and one page over here. And over here, they'd they'd write down everything that was uh, bad about that man, that was said, everything that made him guilty, everything that would condemn him. And then they, on the other side, they'd, they'd write down everything that was good, everything that showed him as innocent. And when it was all said and done, if the man was found guilty, then what they would do is they'd take up that, paper with all the good on it, and they would tear it up and throw it away. Because it didn't matter how much good he had done if he was guilty of this crime. And there's a lot of people, they think, well, I've gone to church, I've been baptized, I've done this, I've done that, I want you to know all that good, doesn't outweigh the bad. And then, if that man was found guilty, the judge would make him sign it at the bottom, and they would seal it, And it would have his sentence, and they'd hand it to the to the 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 whatever his name is that puts him in the jail, and they'd put him in the jail, and they'd hang it, they'd hang it, they'd nail it on the jail cell on the post outside. And every day, brother Larry, he'd look at that, and he would remember why he was there. He would be reminded every day of how wicked he was. He would be reminded every day of the crimes that he had committed. But when he had served his sentence, now follow me, uh, they would take that same piece of paper. And they'd go to the judge. And they'd go back to the same judge that sentenced him. And that same judge would take out a pen. And looky here, he'd draw a cross across that page. And then he'd write a word at to Baalimitz, which means paid in full. And then this is what he'd do. He would hand, they would, they actually, they'd make copies of it. They'd take one and they'd go up to the square, the the main part of town, and they'd nail it up there so everybody in town would see what this man had done. But they had handed him this one that said, Forgiven, to tell us that I paid him for. And he'd put it in his shirt pocket. He'd fold it up, and they'd, the judge would tell him, You hold on to that because you may need it. And Brother David, the next day he goes to get a job, and he's walking down Main Street, and there's one of them forky tongue, you know, Jezebel standing there. And oh, there's that man that robbed the convenience store. You said they didn't have convenience stores back there. You don't know that, neither do I. Amen. Where else did they buy slushies and hot dogs and corn dogs? You know what I'm saying? But anyhow, I, 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 those have been around since the beginning. They had to have been. But anyhow, and this old Jezebel says, there's that old robber. There's that, there's that man that led that ride. There's that man that, that murdered that man or her. And all he'd have to do is reach in his pocket and say, ma'am, you're right. It's been all crossed out. It's been crossed out. Amen. You might get that by tonight. It's been crossed out. And it's been paid in full. Now, listen, that's good, but we got something better. Yeah. The Bible says he took it and he nailed it to his cross. So, when people say, "Oh, you're sorry," well, I can say, "You're right, I am." Well, you you, oh yes, you're 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 right. I did it. I'm guilty. And they say, "Well, prove it. Show me where you've paid the price." And I say, "Well, I didn't pay the price. Somebody else did." And I ain't got to pull out the paper of uh, Drew and show them. That God said, the Bible said he nailed it to his cross. So when somebody, and by the way, uh, you'll in the Bible, anytime you see an, a brother or sister uh, being accused, it's always Satan behind it. But all we got to do is point to the cross and say, if you don't believe me, uh, just go to Calvary. Uh, that's where Jesus... Uh, what I'm saying is, y'all stay calm. It's all been crossed down amen oh thank God aren't you glad of that every time I've said something or done something or I haven't said or I have done and all that can you imagine the total tally of your sins really think about it if you were to try to add it all up could you even count how many sins you've committed because them things that we don't do that we should do are just as bad as things we do do that we shouldn't do y'all follow me well, I'm glad that listen, there was a day in my life where I knelt, I knelt down at an altar and I begged God to forgive me. I acknowledge to him I'm a sinner. And by the way, there's no forgiveness without confession and repentance. Amen. Wow. That goes, anyhow, there's no forgiveness without confession and repentance. But I'm glad that that night God gave me enough faith to believe. He gave me enough grace to repent. And when I confessed and I believed and I repented, He took out that divine pen and He crossed it all out. Amen. Oh, the song says, my sins are gone. And praise God, they've been, uh, they've been forgiven. And because of that, I've been set free. Amen. Amen. Our freedom is nailed to the cross. Are you free this morning? Are you free? The Bible says he that commits sins is a servant of sin. If you're lost, you're not as free as you think you are. The future is nailed to the cross. My future. Look at verse 17. Which are a shadow of things to come. Is anyone else just a little bit uneasy about the future of our nation? I mean, I don't know. I mean, you don't know. We don't know. People are paying more for used vehicles than they were new. That's ridiculous. And that ain't going to last forever. I hate it to tell you. You know, if you got, anyway, I'm going to leave the business advice to whoever else. I'm not going to give you no, but I just want to say this don't hold your breath on it. Stand this way forever. And when I think about the future of this country, it's troubling. But I'm glad as a child of God, I don't have to worry about the future of my, my soul and my th- because it's nailed to the cross. Amen. We do not have to fret or worry about the future. Our destiny is sure and sealed because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Think about this, things to come. I think about the coming of Jesus. I can have peace because it's been nailed to the cross. I remember when I was lost uh, as a young boy, I thank God for my parents. They kept me in church, but not just any church. They kept me in the churches where when you walk in lost, you get real nervous. I was always misbehaving in church, and the reason was I was always nervous. I couldn't sit still because I was scared to death. Because them preachers would get up every single, I know it wasn't this way, but in my little mind, it seemed like every time they preached, it was right to me. And Brother Larry, I know they preached on all kinds of subjects, and I know they preached on, but it seemed like every sermon was about Jesus is coming again. By the way, it wouldn't be a bad thing if we started preaching a little bit more in the days that we live, because I got news for you, he is coming again. I can remember on preaching about that. Where there'd be two in the field, one would be taken and one would be left behind. There'd be two lying in the bed, and one would be taken and one would be left behind. I can remember laying in my little bed at night, wringing my hands, worried, and running in the room. And listen, my dad's always snored. He can snore in ways that people never have snored before. When he snores, he's got he's got. I mean, he is gifted with the gift of snore. I'm just telling you. And I brother lay I'd lay down and lay my head in that shag carpet. That little single wide we lived in and I'd listen under the door and I'd hear <laughs> now you think it's funny I'm not kidding it'll give me peace daddy's still here and all oh, that troubled me and troubled me and troubled me oh listen I'm not worried about Jesus coming again now because he's coming for me now you understand yeah. It's not a miserable thing. It's, it's a blessed hope now. And listen, the only way we can be sure about the future is if we nail it to the cross. Amen. Our future. I thought about the coming of Jesus, but I've thought about the coming of judgment. This world's bound for judgment. Did you know that? <laughs> judgment day is soon approaching. This world's not getting by with anything. Don't be deceived. God is not malt. Right. There will be a day of reaping. And it's gonna be a terrible day. In fact, the Bible calls it the terrible day of the Lord. I could spend some time, but I'm not going to going into some details. But I want you to know this morning that if you're left behind and you're not saved, you're going to enter into a time that's going to be the worst time the world has ever known. The first three and a half years there's going to be a, a, a seeming peace, but even then that time's going to be a bad. But this morning, if you're saved, you do not have to fear the coming judgment because you've already been declared justified. The Bible says in Romans 8.1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. This morning, if if you've been saved, you do not have to be fearful of the coming judgment of God. Isn't that a blessing? Our future. Verse 18 and 19. Our faith is nailed to the cross. The Bible says in verse 19, and and not holding the head, or verse 18, let no man beguile you of your reward in a voluntary humility. That means a false humility. There's a lot of people good at pretending to be humble. I heard about this man who was so humble. He wrote a book on how to be the most humble man. He was so humble. <laughs> and worshiping idols, angels and intruding those things which he had not seen. What he's talking about is this. There was a group of people in Colossae that were trying to push them to put their faith in these weird dreams and angels and all this mystical garbage and nonsense and agnosticism and all, all this devil worship and witch and witchcraft. Witchcraft and all that and Paul the writer says our faith ain't in voodoo amen, amen. Our, our faith is not in angels or worshiping angels or looking into things which have not been seen the mysterious and by the way you need to leave that stuff alone by the way amen. there is a satanic listen there's an evil there, evil's real yeah. I know the Holy ghost is the holy ghost but there are devils and demons I'm saying this, he said, our faith is nailed to the cross. And this morning, that's where your faith must be. We sent us on rock of Ages, it's cliff for me. Let me hide myself in thee. O oh Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Oh, this morning our faith as believers is tested at times. And there's times of great trial and great sorrow. But if your faith is nailed to the cross, then your faith can endure and it'll make it to the end. Our faith is nailed to the cross. What's your faith nailed to? What are you believing in this morning? What are you holding to? What is it? If you really get honest, what is it? I want you to know that if your faith this morning is nailed to anything but the cross, your faith is in vain. Right. Right. Everybody talks about, well, they, they got faith. You can have misplaced faith. If, if, if I were to, I can write you a check for a million dollars. And you can believe that it's good. And have all the faith you want. And you can believe it right up there to the bank. And believe it right in there to that tell, and, and tell her, I know he's got it. He's good for it. I know he's good for it. But guess what? When, it, when, you, when she goes to... <laughs> that thing's going to bounce right out of that machine. And you're going to realize you put your faith in the wrong thing. This morning our faith must be nailed to the cross. The cross of Calvary is the only thing worthy of our faith. You can't trust. You can't put your faith in man. You can't put your faith in a person or a church. Listen, I I love my church, but I don't. My faith ain't in this church. I love it, but I'm not putting my faith in. I'm putting my faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. And I'm done. Verse twenty. Wherefore, if you be dead with Christ, from the roots of the world, wise though living in the world, are you subject to ordinances? Touch not, taste not, handle not. And by the way, that's the religious crap they've always been that way it's the same thing they believe here's what he was this i'm not going to try to explain all this i just want to tell you you can study at your own time and, and if you want i encourage you to they were trying to teach that by not tasting by not touching by not handling it was gaining them more favor from god the taste snotters, the touch snotters. And, you know, that, they, they got more favor than the ones that do. Now listen, is there some things you ought not to taste? Absolutely. Unsweet tea is one of them. Sugar-free coconut pie, don't taste it. You all follow me? There are some things we ought not to taste. There are some things we ought not to touch. The Bible says touch not the unclean thing. I mean, there are some things that we ought to handle not. You know there there's some things we ought not to lay our hands on, like the Word of God. Y'all not lay your hands on the Word of God, leave it alone. Don't fix it. The Bible ain't here for us to fix it. It's here to fix us. The church, don't lay your hands on the church. Don't. It's the bride of Christ. Did you know that? And listen, Jesus loved the church and He gave Himself for it. The church was bought by God's own blood, according to Acts chapter 20. And y'all to leave your hands off the church. Leave it off. Don't like it, leave. But don't touch it. Leave it alone. Amen. But not touching, not tasting, not handling, don't make you more loved by God. Amen. My favor, that's from God. Or my favor that's nailed across, the cross is because of the cross. It's not because I'm preaching. It's not because I'm doing this and not doing that. It's not because I'm not touching this and not touching that or tasting this and not tasting that or handling this and, hot and not handling that. The only reason God likes me is because of the cross. Amen. A lot of times we act as believers like we're in some type of contest to make God like us more than others. And we think that by doing this or not doing that or or, or going here or not going there... or uh, uh, I hope y'all keep are picking up what I'm putting down. Yeah, yeah. You will be a miserable, miserable man, woman, boy, or girl if you live the Christian life that way. Every decision we make when it comes to our personal lives and how we live and, 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 and you know, what we do and what we don't do, what we're involved in and what we're not involved with, it ought to be motivated by a love for Jesus Christ. Not motivated by a desire to be loved more by Jesus Christ. Because, listen, He cannot, he will not love me anymore and He will not love me any less. He loves me as much today as He did yesterday and He'll love me much more as He does today. You're not trying to gain God's favor. If you're saved, your favor is because of the cross. He loves you.